Welcome to the Triage Method Podcast with me, Gary McGowan, and my co-host, Paddy Farrell. Paddy, how are you this week? As per usual, I am fantastic. I am over my bout of COVID where I had a little nice little tickle in my throat. Um, but other than that, yeah, I'm all good. No real complaints. It is nice being able to you know, get out of the house, move around, do that kind of stuff, rather than just sitting in the same four walls, looking at them, fucking just getting older you know barely having any fresh air even though like i have a balcony i do like you know get fresh air and stuff but it is nice getting out and that kind of does tie in nicely with uh the podcast topic today in terms of you know there's other stuff in life than just all this health and fitness stuff um but how are you gary how has you know college been how has work been how has life been for lord skinny gas life is good we had storm baja in ireland um which you know took down some trees some weak frail people who did not work on their gains coming into the winter um but otherwise all good you know went swimming in the uh violent way i didn't really you know pro water safety uh, although i would have liked to but uh yeah life's good fantastic so gary what are we talking about today Today we're talking about health again, and uh, over the last few episodes, what we've been talking about is, or in the last episode in particular, the role that training plays in health and what we've been doing for our health. And in this episode, what we want to do is move towards some of the softer elements, or what some people might consider to be soft contributors to health, some of the things that You don't often actively seek out for the purposes of improving your health. There's not always a very clear blood marker or scan or something that you can measure and assess the effects of these things, but they're still incredibly important. And those are the things that affect your, you know, or the things related to your personal life, your career, even your day-to-day schedule how do you spend your time you know your family your um, religiosity or spirituality and so on so all of these things that are very much central to one's life but not often tied into health and fitness contributors yet very much related because not only does your family life your work life your religious life etc contribute to how well you feel each day it also contributes to various um health related activities i guess because if you're someone who has you know a good support system um you know a good family that you love that love you strong relationships if you ever do happen to become sick you know that's a support system that's there for you and we know that that's something that, that is incredibly important, particularly later in life. It also gives you a great sense of meaning in your life. You know, if you've got family, if you've got a work that means, if you've got work that means a lot to you, if you, you know, go to church each week or whatever it happens to be for you, that's something that can really improve your health, both short and long-term, and also be protective in cases where you do have an insult to your health and you're trying to get back to baseline. So there's some of the softer elements that we're going to talk about today. Yeah, and this is <clears throat> this is something that's really important and often just gets lost in the discussion because other things are 
you know, easier to discuss or more, like you said, measurable, like, like, oh, here, this is a specific blood marker or, you know, we're in the gym and we're like, oh, how do we get better? Oh, I just add more weight to the bar, you know, or I get leaner or I get like bigger or whatever it is. They're very measurable. They're tangible things that we can be like, oh, this is what I'm trying to aim towards. And this is, you know, the marker that I'm using, the proxy marker potentially that I'm using to gauge that stuff. Right. But there is more to life than just you know, the physique that you have, or even the health that you have, like, yeah, okay, your health is your wealth, you know, if you're, you know, the, what's the saying where it's like, a, you know, a, a sick man would give any money to be well again, you know, so like, it is the most important thing. But having said that, there are other things than just, you know, your nutrition, your sleep habits, and all that kind of stuff that go into making you healthy, you know, um, and this is obviously, especially the case, in terms of something like depression, like what you've experienced with, um, where, you know, you might have, you might be doing everything right. You might be doing every single thing right, but we're still not in a good position in terms of our mental health. And we know that there's a lot of things that go into mental health more than just like, oh, what do you eat and do you train? I know everyone always likes to think in the fitness industry, it's just a case of, you know, get out there and do a training session and you'll feel good afterwards and that'll, you know, cure depression or, you know, just go out there and eat a healthy diet, an anti-inflammatory diet, if you will, and that'll cure depression, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. You see it all the time in the, the health and fitness world. But unfortunately, there is more to it. It's not just as simple as that. And you are kind of case in point, which you, we can dive into if you want. We don't have to. But what we're talking about today is, as Gary said, more of those softer things. Like they, they kind of get almost poo-pooed. They're just kind of like, ah, yeah, like, yeah, we know that's important, but, you know, it's fine. You know, just, you know, look after that stuff. But it's never actually talked about. And Gary mentioned quite a few of the things that we'll talk about. But we'll go back and we'll bring this back to where we started all of this discussion in terms of the training, the nutrition and all that kind of stuff. It starts with having clear and concise goals, right? We have to have clear and concise goals. And this also applies to the, you know, airy-fairy stuff that we want to talk about, the softer stuff, all of those things that, you know, again, are contributors to our overall health. We actually have to, you know, first of all, envisage the life that we want to live, right? We actually have to have a clear picture of what that actually looks like. And it's not as easy or as simple to say like, oh yeah, I want to train four times per week. I want to be this strong and I want to, you know, be this fit and I want to look this certain way or blah, 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 all of those stuff. We've talked about that, right? You everyone should have that lockdown. You know, you want to be clear and concise in your goals, but you have to do more than that. You actually have to build out the life that you want to live. Right. And there's a few different ways you can do, do this. First of all, you can actually go through the logistics of your ideal day. You know, like what does that actually look like for you? Right. What time do you wake up? Are you looking after the children? Are you not having children? Like, you know, are, are your children there? Are they not there? You know, what's the story from the very off, right? Are you going to a place of work? Are you staying home, especially in this era of work from home? Are you someone that enjoys going somewhere? Are you someone that enjoys like having the flexibility that being at home offers, the lack of a commute, et cetera, et cetera? You know, like you actually have to sit down and take your time with this and design out that actual ideal day. Now, nobody's day ever is ideal no nobody ever has that like this is perfect and what you want right now may not be what you want in five years time 10 years time or even a week's time you know but we have to build out that image of what we're actually aiming towards because if we don't you end up in a situation where you know you're five years into you know whatever you it is that you're doing uh work uh i don't know 
education, a relationship, whatever the fuck it is, you're five, 10 years in and you realize you're like, I'm, I actually hate this stuff. I, this is not what I want. This is not what I'm building here or what I'm doing here is not aligned with what ultimately I want to be doing with my life, right? Like that happens, happens far too often. And then it's a case of, you know, do you then break everything down? You know, do you stop the work that you're doing, find a new job, stop the education, switch careers, do whatever it is. Um, and basically start from scratch is that what you want to have happen is that like do you want to find yourself in that position and unfortunately a lot of people do find themselves in that position where they have that desire but they then continue just going in the same beaten track because you know they've got that like sunk cost fallacy where oh i've already put in the five years i might as well just keep going even though they are deeply unhappy or they just do not feel fulfilled in their life right and unfortunately again you can go to any number of you know pubs on a weekday night and see lads sitting around the fucking bar talking about like oh i could have been someone or i could have done something or i could have you know whatever and they just never actually achieved anything because they never actually spent some time and actually like map this stuff out yeah they had an idea of oh it would be nice to be able to do this but they never actually sat down and be like, what does an actual day look like to bring me towards that? Is it uh, an idea that I have? I like the, the idea of, you know, squatting 300 kilos, but I actually don't like training. Like those two things are dichotomous. They're, you're not going to achieve that 300 kilo squat. Now, obviously I'm relating it back to fitness stuff because that's predominantly what this podcast is about, but it applies to all this other stuff that you you also think about. Maybe you do want to have like a, a job that pays you 100K per year or whatever it is, but do you want to work the 50, 60, 70 hours? Like, is that what you want? Or do you, are you willing to trade off, you know, a lack of enjoyment in your job? If you're like, yeah, I do my nine to five. It's not that enjoyable, but the money is good. Are you willing to trade off that nine to five and only accept whatever 30K? And you're still like, yeah, I hate the, the nine to five. But, you know, the money's actually not that great either. But, you know, I'm willing to sell my my hours for that, you know? Like, you actually have to sit down and plan that stuff out. And unfortunately, again, a lot of people just don't, right? And we can call that the kind of the logistics of your actual day, right? And we can call it the, like, are you actually looking at the implementation stuff? Are you actually sitting down and looking at, oh, this is how that would actually look when I actually implement it? It's not just this case of, oh, yeah, four days of resistance training. That's what I need to do. Is it the same as the idea in your head as the implementation? Like when you're actually doing those four days of resistance training or whatever it is, is that actually what you want to be doing? Like, obviously there has to be this bit of a trade-off where you're not going to enjoy it every day. There's going to be some days where you're like, oh, I wish I just got that extra hour in, in bed, asleep or whatever. But are you motivated enough? Are you like, do you enjoy the outcome and the process enough to keep going with that for the next 10, 20 50 years or whatever it is, right? We have to actually sit down and think about that stuff, right? And I'll let you jump in here, Gary, as well. But you can do that from that perspective. You can do that from the, oh, let's look forward. Let's like, this is what I want to do. This is, I'm building my ideal day. I'm building my ideal month, my ideal life, whatever, right? You can do it from that perspective, but you can also do it from the back end perspective and look at it from you being on your deathbed. Like, would you be happy having achieved X, Y, Z? You know, if you're looking back and you're hopefully, you know, because you listen to the triage podcast, you're 120 years old, you're on your deathbed and you're like, I'm actually really happy with the way my life turned out because I achieved this. 
X, Y, Z. And I know everyone always says like, you want to look back and have no regrets. I don't think that's realistically possible. You know, like most people are going to have some regrets. If you don't have any regrets, you probably didn't live life to the fullest. You know, there's no way (laughs) that you accepted every single opportunity that was available to you. You have to close down some opportunities and that's just the way it is. Like even think about it, like you're in a relationship, for example, do you think that there's not other relationships available to you? hundred percent there is, you know, and you might be like, oh, like I didn't close down any opportunities because I don't commit, but that's still choosing an option. <laughs> it's choosing the option of not committing, you know? So you have to look at this stuff and you have to go, okay, I'm sitting on my deathbed. Am I happy about X, Y, Z? Am I happy about, you know, what I achieved with my career? Am I happy with what I achieved with my family? Am I happy with what I achieved with my social life, my friends, my, you know, extended, you know, whatever you want to call it, social unit? Like what actually would make you happy looking back on your deathbed, you know? Because this is really important to do, especially in this day and age where a lot of people will say stuff like, oh, I don't want to have children, you know? And oftentimes like they don't that's that's 100 like there's obviously people that just don't want to have children or they probably just shouldn't have children right um and that's that's perfectly fine but a lot of people say that when they're in their 20s and then realize in their 30s they're like fuck me i actually wish i had children you know and that's guys and women you know like you actually need to think of it from the back end and this is the unfortunate thing where you don't know what you want even in the next week in the next year or whatever like it's you're obviously just going with the flow to some extent um but exercises like this, like planning out your, your day and planning out like what that looks like for you, the logistics and the actual implementation. And then also, you know, planning out what your fucking sitting on your deathbed looks like looking back, like that kind of stuff. It's actually really important. Anyway, Gary, I'll let you jump in because I've just been waffling on. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, I think the, the example of, of having children is kind of a, a good one to reflect on because it's so important. it's such a a classic example for people in their twenties or early thirties. It's one of those dilemmas. And I think if you're thinking of health long-term, it it, it provides a number of interesting lessons because I suppose like one of the the objections to having kids, you know, a lot that a lot of people would have would be that they don't want to sacrifice their freedom, that they're effectively trying to cling on to youth, you know, that I want to stay young. I don't, I don't want to be out of that phase in my life. And they almost view the, loss of freedom that comes with having kids as sort of entry into a new life stage and the point at which they stop living for themselves and that's something that you kind of think of as being negative when you're in that mindset like you're like oh no I want to live for myself but the flip side of that is that wouldn't it be even better if you were living for something more than just yourself wouldn't that be a nice way of living and that's something that a lot of people with kids will tell you you know you speak to spoke to my own parents about this and they say that you only grasp it when you have kids so i don't have personal experience there but the point there is that there's something that is you know above and beyond just living for yourself and being a, an individual and that's only something that becomes illuminated later in life and that's the difficult thing because especially for us kind of you know young high testosterone males we're like i i can do whatever i want on my own you know i'm a lone wolf or whatever until you get hit with something whether it be an illness or a difficult point in life and you realize that you actually do need your friends you do need your family and that was something that um i definitely traded off a lot on in my early 20s when i was kind of more obsessed with the kind of bodybuilding side of things I was happy to just not spend time with my friends and just, you know, pursue my own path, like 
prepare my meals, be super disciplined, train all the time, which was really good for me. Like it's, it, it built me and developed me more than anything else, but there was still a significant trade-off that I wouldn't be willing to accept further along in life, you know, into my thirties, forties, fifties, you know, having, having basically no time with friends, you know, not having time to spend with your family and so on. It's a bad mindset to be in. And I remember thinking back to that time, I used to kind of envisage my future. And one of the things that always clicked with me was, am I really going to be this type of person forever where I just prepare my meals all the time and don't eat with other people? You know, like what, what about if I have kids and I have a family, like, am I going to be okay with, you know, having a family dinner? Is that going to be something I'm going to get comfortable with at some point? And it's not that I would never do that, but it was just at that time, I was in that mindset of four to six meals a day prepared from scratch by myself eating eating from a lunchbox and I thought about my future and I was thinking god I I don't know if that's something that I want in future and eventually I drifted away from that but that's something that will be very intrinsically linked to your health because if your decisions although they're healthful from a nutrition perspective are made at the expense of your social life or the strength of your relationships and your support network etc then that's actually something that could have a net negative effect on health long-term, despite the fact that if we were to analyze it on a nutrient by nutrient basis, you'd be doing a fantastic job. You know, you'd be satisfying all the things we talked about in the last episode. You're keeping your salt low. You're thinking about your polyphenol intake, all this sort of stuff. That's fantastic. But if you can do that while also having um, a well-integrated life, I guess, into your community, um, both micro and macro community, then you're doing a far better job. And that's something that you, you see emerging in a lot of research where sometimes you see these, these sort of anomalies related to nutrition in particular regions of the world or um, particularly some tribes and stuff like that, where you look at the, like researchers will be looking at just nutritional epidemiology, where they're trying to study the role of nutrition in health. But it's when you really look at the context of the nutrition that you really see why certain practices are healthful. A classic example of that would be, you know, things like the, the Mediterranean diet, you know, people will often ask, Oh, what's the Mediterranean diet? And they'll list out the characteristics and they'll say, Oh, it has red wine and it has this, that, and the other. Um, but the, re- the, the things that are not often uh, discussed from a nutrition perspective are the fact that there's very often in some of the area studies, there's a heavy emphasis on, you know, family meal time that, you know, you're sitting down, you're having this meal slowly, you're sitting down for a couple of hours, you're sipping at your wine. It's not the same as consuming this same amount of nutrition in like a binge eating context on your own, watching Netflix and then downing a bottle of wine. Like it's not the same context overall. And that's something you see consistently in the research outside of nutrition, that when you look at um, loneliness and social isolation, that predicts basically worse outcomes um, for every disease state, maybe other than um, communicable disease, because you're not with anyone. You're probably not going to catch any viruses or whatever. But um, in general, for heart disease, um, neurological disease, etc., if you're isolated and you're not part of a community and you're lonely, and even perceived loneliness is something that tends to even supersede actual loneliness. Um, the psychological dimension of that, that's something that predicts much worse health outcomes long-term. So even if you're doing all this lone wolf stuff dedicated to your exercise, dedicated to your nutrition, 
you're doing it all alone and there's not there's nothing else other than you counting your macros and counting your reps that might leave some gaps in your health approach long term 100% and <clears throat> i think we will get back to talking about community a bit more uh, in a second but i do want to just pick up on something where it's kind of a dichotomy, right? Because you do actually have to spend some time alone, right? And what I mean by this is you have to be introspective. You have to spend some time and actually think about what your values are. Think about what your, again, purpose in this world is. And that requires some alone time to think about that. But I don't think you become a fully integrated human unless you actually integrate those thoughts into the community. Like they often say this where, you know, your thoughts are not real until you speak them, you know, like there's oftentimes you'll hear that in like, you know, different religions, you know, it's like, you have to say the magic words. You can't just like think them, you know, and like you have to speak the the prayers or whatever. And the reason for that in a lot of cases is because, you know, humans like the brain of a human developed and you could argue this a, a few ways, but it developed to communicate, right? Like we're not, we're not designed to just think on our own right? We're designed to communicate. We're designed to talk together. And that's the only way, like you think about the the difference between you learning a topic, right? You learn the topic, you read it off, you do all the stuff. You're like, right, that's, you know, squared away in my brain. But then when you actually try to communicate it, you start realizing you're like, oh, actually there's a gap in my knowledge here. And that could be, you know, spoken word, or it could be just writing it down. You know, it's only when you actually, you know, make it physical, you know, whether it's true sound or it's true writing or whatever, that it actually exposes the, you know, futility of what you thought you knew, you know, or the, the lack of what you thought you knew, right? And it's the same with the real world. Like you can sit down and you can think out like, this is the type of person that I am. This is the type of person that I want to be. These are the goals that I have. But it's not until you actually make them real, whether you talk to other individuals about it or you actually show it with your actions, that it's actually something that, again, is is real, <laughs> right? So there is this kind of dichotomy here where you do have to spend some time being introspective. You do have to spend some time thinking, but then you have to integrate that into some form of community, whether it's a small you know, community, your family, your friends, maybe, or it's the larger community in terms of like, you know, uh, the world, the country that you're in, whatever it is. Right. So that is something that we have to be aware of. And one of the things that I find a lot of or hear a lot of because obviously we speak to a lot of people in terms of our through our coaching and through like you know social media whatever but a lot of the time people are looking for distractions rather than looking for that you know deeper thought and i think that's a changing a little bit in terms of like you do see the rise of like you know long form podcasts you know and that's kind of a little bit more like deeper thinking especially some of like say something i don't know like different psychologists different like modern day philosophers or whatever you know they'll put on like a three to five hour podcast you know they'll record it talking to some i don't know other philosopher or whatever and people listen to it you know they'll have seminars in different countries and thousands of people will go to it right so i think people are looking for more than just the you know the the average everyday mundane distracting thoughts but at the same time we often don't actually sit down and think these things through or like actually spend some time being introspective and actually, you know, listening to our, our inner compass or actually, you know, what would be the word like, uh, 
consciously speaking what we believe you know in, in terms of like you might be like oh i'm a good person but you know you, you're not actually a good person because you like to think you're a good person but all your actions are the actions of a bad person or you know what you classify as good is not what everyone else classifies as good or whatever it is you know your your conscious and your subconscious are not the same they're not congruent right and um, a lot of people just distract themselves from ever actually being introspective and ever actually listening to their feelings and they'll do it with like, you know, social media, they'll do it with, you know, TV, you know, YouTube videos, whatever, rather than ever being alone with your thoughts, right? Like even reading a book, you know, it doesn't have to be reading necessarily, but even like, you know, talking to someone, listening to a podcast, whatever, a lot of people are still looking for that next distraction because they don't actually sit down there and think they don't actually sit down there and, you know, analyze the thoughts that come up in that moment you know and this is why people in this modern age they do look for stuff like you know mindfulness practices like being present and stuff because they've never actually been taught how to do this stuff they've never actually done this stuff so it's, it's hard you know and that's the case it is hard and um, so i do think uh, a little bit more of that kind of introspective like looking in does actually help and contribute to better health down the the, the road purely because you actually become a more congruent human like you actually become the person like i don't know what the word would be it, it's kind of hard to describe a more whole person because it's you don't have this dichotomy between like self and you know or mind body duality if you want to call it that it's like no you are just you you're actually fully integrated in terms of you know there's no dichotomy here you're not caught out in a lie between your actions and your thoughts or like what you want and what you do and all that kind of stuff you've actually spent some time and you've you know aligned those two things together does that make sense or am i just going off on a fucking mad one no it definitely does and i think that that's something that actually so much like strengthens your not necessarily self-esteem or sense of self-worth when yeah, your, your sense of self-worth is fine when those two things do actually come together, when you can actually say to yourself that my idea of who I am is the same as, as it is acted out in the world. And I think the, the best way to think about, or the way I often think about that is, you know, would others describe me in the same way that I think, like that I would describe myself? Like, is, is that how they see me? And I think that's something that's There's interesting. another one on that that's actually, you know, equally as good. And I can't remember who said it originally. I know Jordan Peterson basically repeated it uh, recently. Or Jordan Peters, whichever one it is, I can never remember between the Jack guy. Jordan and Peters. <laughs> Jordan Peters. Um, but anyway, uh, whichever one it is, the non-Jacked one. Uh, Jordan Peterson. Jordan Peterson. He did repeat it recently. But basically, it's the, the concept of, are you actually a good person or are you just a harmless person? Mm-hmm. like if you are a, a good person that means that you have the ability to do evil right because you are choosing actively you know choosing to do good rather than to do evil or to do bad right if your only option is to do good right because you're harmless like you could never actually harm someone you could never hurt someone you could never you know meaningfully impact someone's life negatively like you're not a good person Right? Like you might think you're a good person, but you don't actually have the capacity to do evil because you are a harmless individual. You know, and you, you aren't able to hurt someone physically, mentally, spiritually, whatever, because or for whatever reason. And as a result of that, you think you're a good person, but you've never actually had to exhibit goodness. 
you have never actively had to choose goodness. You have just passively chosen goodness because you cannot do harm to another person. You know, for example, like, why do I follow the law? Gary, why do you follow the law? Right. Like, like why, you know, like you're a big enough guy, you're, you know, you do jujitsu, you know how to fight, you know, all these things. Like, why don't you just go in and take whatever the fuck you want? Right. Or, you know, just buy a gun and now you're you know, stronger than everyone. You can fucking shoot people. Like, why don't you do that? Right. You don't do that because again, you want to be integrated in the society. You want to be someone that's actually a good person. And yeah. Okay. There's downsides to that. Like every trade-off or every deal, there's a trade-off, you know, but you've chosen that path. And I know a lot of people obviously would also say like, oh, I've chosen the path not to buy a gun or not to do whatever. But in reality, again, you wouldn't know where to get a gun. You wouldn't know where <laughs> to do any of this stuff because again, you are just passively going along with the fact that you are harmless, you know? Yeah, absolutely. There was something that I was going to repeat there. Um, oh yeah, a kind of a, a softer example here rather than going into you know like you could be a nazi prison guard type thing um would be what was i going to say there now um oh yeah the classic a classic really soft example this is like the way that people judge celebrities i think this is a great example because people often judge celebrities because they let's say they're overindulgent with their spending or their drug habits or this that and the other whatever it happens to be um People are very judgmental of that, including me, to be honest, you know, and I think a lot, a lot of people are like they see people buying yachts and they're like, oh, that is disgusting. That's despicable. There's people starving. But you actually haven't you, you don't really have a right to judge that because you've never actually you don't you're not able to do that. Like saying that you wouldn't do that is irrelevant because you you're not able like you you do not have the money you do not have the choices the resources to be able to do that it's very similar to the violence example well, like you know they win the lotto and all of a sudden it's like yeah hookers and blow you know you're the worst yeah <laughs> people just absolutely blow all the money that they win you know um and and it's funny because people often think that like there's a certain point at which then i would become a ph philanthropist you know right like you you win a hundred euro what would you do with that? You're like, oh, you know, I'd go and buy myself some new shoes or, and then, okay, a 500 euro. Oh, you know, I've been thinking about upgrading my laptop. Okay. What about a thousand? I do need a new iPhone. Like that, that is while it, it seems a lot different because you're talking in sums of like hundreds of thousands of millions. It's the same fundamental decision um, at the bottom of it. You know, why did you not decide to you know, go just leave the iPhone and actually give it to just someone on the street if you're such a good person. Because the reality is that we're not always as, as good as we, we like to think, or at least we would struggle more with those difficult decisions if we had the resources to have to make those decisions. So it's very easy to sit back and, you know, judge others who have the capacity to do certain things that you're not actually able to do. And often we're most judgmental of those people because we know that the more pedestrian decisions that we all have to make each day, we struggle with them. You know, it's one of the reasons that if, you know, you go to a confession on a, a Saturday in, in any Catholic church, you'll see that there's plenty of people going to confess their sins because there's lots of people that are doing things that they know go against their conscience each week or each month or whatever. And that's the same for anyone, whether you're religious or not, you know? So that's something that is, as I, as, as I was getting back to, I was going to tie it to a fitness example where when you're, when your kind of sense of who you are in yourself, when that's really well integrated with how you're acting in the world and how other people would describe you from outside, 
that's actually that really strengthens your self-worth. A classic example related to fitness is when, like I have a number of clients who are trainers themselves and advise other people about nutrition all the time and have great nutrition knowledge, but they really struggle with things like binge eating and their relationship with food. And that's such a difficult thing for them to take because they feel like the way they're acting in the world is discordant with their sense of self because their sense of self is, I'm the health guy, you know, I'm the nutrition guy. And that's, that's who I am, but I can't keep it together. So that's something that's actually quite difficult for people to reconcile. And that's not to say that there's a, a, a specific uh, fault or blame to be put on them because it's a very, it's a difficult thing. People go through significant struggles with their relationship with food. And that's something that can be difficult to overcome. But that example could be put into many other areas of life. You know, some people will consider themselves to be, you know, hard workers, motivated, disciplined people, and they'll put that image out on online, for example, on social media. But then if you were to actually go to their workplace and ask people what they think of their performance in work, they might say, ah, you know, he's always on his phone posting quotes and stuff. He's not, he's never working, you know? And if you can, if you can get those two things to act together, I think that really can strengthen your sense, sense of self-worth, make you a, a more happy person probably um, and give you a bit more um, stability in your life. 100%. And just a further one as well with that. And you did kind of mention it. It is like, you know, reading books as if you are the bad guy or reading books as if, you know, especially historical narratives um, where you're like, oh, what would I do in this situation? And I don't just mean that like, you know, you're watching a movie and you're like, well, what would you do in that case? You know, it's like that kind of like throwaway type question. I mean, like actually sitting down and being like, okay, well, look, let's actually go through the scenario here. You know, again, you're a German and you have Jewish neighbors and they've always been a little bit richer than you. You've always been a little bit envious of them. You know, then the, the Nazis become, come around and they're like, you know what? I, all your hardships are because of the Jews. You know, that's, you know, it's, it's their fault. Right. And you're kind of like, Oh, you know what, actually, yeah, I can get down with that because it absolves me of my sins. I don't have to like the hardships are not because of me. It's because of them. It, it's the other person that caused it. And then they start talking about like, you know, actually let's kick them out of here. You know, like, oh, and if you kick them out, like, uh, you know, you can get their house, you know, you can get their, their riches and you know, you can do that. And you're like, oh, well, you know what, actually, I think I will do that, you know, and like stuff like that. And you think that that wouldn't be you, but history would say differently because it has repeatedly happened. Obviously the you know classic example is the Nazis, but it's happened loads of places. Ukraine is a, an even, probably an even better example than uh, the, the Nazi uh you know, whatever you want to call it, Holocaust. Um, like Ukraine is probably a better example. You know, it also happened even in like stuff like the Balkans in the 1990s, you know, it was very fractured society. Like, how would you react? Like you might have gone to school with some people, you know, but now you're the enemy or they're the enemy. You know, it's like, how do you react? How, like, what are, your, what are your thought process? What is your thought process now? You know, because again, it comes back to that. It's very easy to believe you are someone when, you've never actually have to have that or have never actually had that challenged. You know, it's never actually been put to the test. It's just a case of, oh yeah, I would do better if it was me, you know, like, oh yeah, it would be easy, you know, but it, in reality, it, it wouldn't be right. So that's another example, but <clears throat> bringing it back to the, the overall topic of the podcast, you do need to spend some time and actually be a bit introspective and actually, again, integrate 
this mind body mind body duality into a fucking coherent human right and you're never going to get it perfect that's i'm not saying like me or gary are bastions of you know perfection for sure i know both of us are actually idiots and but you know we spent some time we've thought about this stuff you know like we read books we do stuff you know Uh, so i would like to think that we are a bit more integrated than a lot of other people and especially because we do talk to a lot of other people and we see these things time and time again and even true even though our coaching is more focused on the health and fitness side oftentimes and again you can read this through our you know testimonials and stuff you'll see people say stuff like oh i'm actually doing better in life now i'm actually doing better with you know x y and z that's beyond the scope of just the like calories and macros and you know here's your your workout program like there is more to it right so one thing because we've been talking for quite a while and this i feel like we've just gone uh, a little bit of a round and circle here and um, i want to go back to the social aspect because i think this is actually something that people just completely forget about and i would argue that it's probably a good portion of the health contributing things contributing whatever of a lot of activities and it is the social aspect of those activities you know like if you go to the gym yeah obviously going to the gym is fantastic for your health you know you lift some weights you do some cardio blah 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 but if you do that and you're part you feel like you're part of a community in that gym you know you have the same people that you see every day you say hello to them you know fucking terry over there helps you with you know whatever your incline bench he gives you a spot you know him you know you know what he's working towards you know his family his wife comes in you know half an hour later than him after she dropped off the kids or you know whatever it is you start knowing other people in your this community here in terms of the gym like that's a much more health promoting environment than you know you're just this random anonymous person this face in the gym the people that work in the gym they don't even like recognize you they don't even like you give you the the nod hey what's up you know it's like you're you're humans and you know you're not interacting together and that's stuff that you see a lot in like bigger cities like obviously i'm living in london now and you do see that a lot where you see just like faceless in- individuals you know and they look at like you can actually almost feel it off them where you know they haven't had a positive interaction with another human just randomly in weeks months you know and you know they, they could be living at home on their own working from home maybe they do this whatever they go out here they don't interact with people and as a result like you can almost feel that off them like it, it's weird you know and um, so like you need to be integrated into your community whether that is again even stuff like going to the gym like i've talked about it before on the podcast but like stuff that i do uh, i do because again i i moved country so i'm disconnected from my usual support network or network can't even speak today my friends my family etc you know like i go to the gym i say hello to people give a you know a nod you know even if it's just that you know you know, oh, you, you finished using this machine you know you're actually talking to other human beings and it is something that again you build friendships over time then you know the same way i go to jujitsu so you know it's a bit more intimate than just saying are you using that machine when you're like choking people out there choking you but you do start it, it's weird because it's like you become more happy <laughs> which it's weird to say where you're just like it, it's it's it just is the, the thing you interact with more humans and all of a sudden you're happier and i know that's it probably it stops at a certain point especially if you work in retail or something like you know you interact with more humans you probably hate your life more but up to a certain extent like interacting with other human beings and actually having you know fun with them it is 
it is enjoyable. It actually it contributes to your health. Like you definitely feel healthier. And I know feeling isn't everything, but that's what we're talking about in this episode. It is that kind of subjective stuff, you know? Like, do you think the difference between the muscle gain from the workout you do where, you know, you do it on your own, you fucking get your headphones in, you're real psyched up and you, you know, your head eyes down the whole time and you never talk or interact with anyone versus the workout that you do, you know, the exact same workout, but you have a laugh with the, your friends there, you know, you interact with a few different people. They help you in the gym, blah, 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 blah. Like, do you think the muscle gain difference is going to be, you know, huge? Yeah, probably not. But I can tell you which one of those individuals is going to go home way happier, right? Like you might be happy, yeah, from the first example going, yeah, I hit a new PB in the gym, but you're going to be way happier thinking like, oh yeah, I hit a new PB in the gym. And I uh, remember Terry and fucking Mary and whoever else, like I was, you know, they're great banter and whatever, you know, like it, it, it is something that you have to do and again, it's very easy in this modern world, especially if you live in a big city, because I know we have a, a lot of listeners from a variety of different you know, big cities like L.A. and different things like that, where it is very easy to become a faceless individual. And you might think, again, like you're hunting down your success, you're an entrepreneur, you're a lone wolf, blah, blah, blah. But it's probably not doing your health any good to be that individual. You know, so do you have anything to say on community, Gary? Because we could spend, you know, hours talking about this. And I do have a few more points I want to bring up. But what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I just think that that's something that is um, is really important for, for you to reflect on because it's something that, that you can gloss over. But you want to ask yourself, right, as you listen to this podcast, what are the core communities that you are part of, you know, and that can start with the small and then kind of zoom out and ask yourself what your role in that community is. You know, it's actually something that's, it's taught in, in, in many different religions really. But if you look at the, the catechism, the Catholic church, one of the, the things that's in there is like that the human being is basically not complete um, or not doing its job unless you're integrated into your community, that it's not enough just to be, you know, a, a good person or someone that you feel, you know, you're on the path or whatever, you're also integrated in, into your community. And you can see how that's really beneficial because if you have a strong community, it means that everyone else benefits from whatever it is that you're developing so that your individual pursuits actually rub off on everyone else. And then you can't do everything. So their individual pursuits then rub off on you. And that's something that's really beneficial, whether it's in a sport like jujitsu, where you've been working on, you know, heel hooks and leg attacks and someone else has been working on Kimura traps or something like that. And you benefit from each other, you know, um, or you're really interested in, in history and someone else is really interested in geology and boom, you learn from them. You know, there's the types of things that are really important long-term for, even if you're just focused on your own development, it's still something that helps. So be part of the community and ask yourself what those communities are. So is it your sporting community is this uh the community even if it's going to the pub you know on a friday night that there's the same people each week that you meet up with and you play darts or you watch the football or whatever it happens to be those types of things are often key sources of meaning for for people in ireland particularly uh rural ireland um and and it's it's something that often gets mocked because if you look at a the, the Healy Ray politicians, um, you know, people often think of them as a, a bit of a, a joke because they've got funny accents and they say some ridiculous things, but they actually make a lot of good points a lot of the time because what they're often arguing for is they're trying to be the voice of rural Ireland. You know, people who they might live, you know, five kilometers from the next house and every Friday night, you know, they go to the pub 
and they meet up with the same five or six people. And that's the only, they're the only people they see in the week and they're in their seventies or their eighties. And obviously drink driving bans and everything that came in would have significantly impacted their ability to um, meet up with the, with those people and to have their role in the community. And while drink driving bans are certainly a net positive, the example that they're often arguing for is the fact that, well, this is actually really important for these people. So if you were to just look at, you know, going to the pub, drinking alcohol as an, an, a bad thing, and you view that as a bad thing, if that's your only source of community, that's actually something that's probably a net positive long term. So when you're thinking about those health behaviors, I think, and their relationship to community, you do have to do a bit of a, an analysis, you know, like, because if you're listening to this and you're saying, oh, time to go to the pub every single night. And like, that's obviously a net negative for health. Okay. There's a point at which it becomes that net negative. Um, much like if you were going to go and train and you go and do a four hour run out of nowhere, that's going to be a net negative for your health. So community, think about the community that you have access to at the moment, how uh, that can support you. You know, if something did go wrong, your house got flooded, um, you were sick, whatever. Do you have people that can support you? And if not, are there ways that you could begin to develop some of those relationships and strengthen your role in that community? And, and that's the kind of key point, the way, the way I said it there is your role in that community, because it's about you giving something and then them giving something back. And that's, it's, it's reciprocity really. And uh, yeah, that's very protective for health long-term. Yeah, just going back to that kind of pub example, like I remember even my, my granddad on my dad's side, like he used to just walk down to the pub every day. That was his thing. You know, he'd walk down to the pub, have one or two, walk back. Now, again, he lived within like 15 minutes of the pub. That was probably his only exercise, yeah. you know? And then when he wasn't able to do that because he had like heart complications, like he basically just sat at home all day, you know? Yeah. And <clears throat> like the, the difference in terms of like the person that went, walked to the pub versus the person that just sat at home all day, like you might look at that and go, oh, he's drinking, you know, two pints of Guinness per day you know, that's bad health, uh, you know, whatever. But that was what was keeping him going. That was what, like, you know, that was his, the focal point of his day, you know? And like, he was, you know, fought in World War II, lived through the fucking everything. Um, so like, you can imagine like his life, you know, as a microcosm of many other people's lives in terms of, imagine what happens when you just get disconnected from your community, right? Like all of a sudden you are not, like you're not in the community anymore. And again, the, the pub is the example here in this one where it's like, you know, you're just brought out of that, Right. The, the community is still there, you know, they're thriving over wherever, but you're no longer in it. What would happen to that individual? You would naturally think, okay, well, that person's going to have worse health outcomes because they have been taken out of their community, their whatever. You know, same again, if you were to just, I don't know, be plopped down into uh, a different country, you didn't speak the language, you weren't able to communicate with anyone. Like, do you think you're going to feel good? Do you think you're going to be in a good position? No, obviously not, right? So you want to be part of a community. And that means, again, like you said there, it is that kind of reciprocity where you have to give something to the community as well as you know, the community has to give something to you. And if you don't have that in your life, you know, you're going to have to do something to foster that, whether it is, you know, I don't know, getting a job that has you working in the office. You know, you might be like, oh, work from home is great because I can just roll out of bed. But if that leads you disconnected from your actual, like, you know, any social situations, it's probably not going to be great for you, you know? Um, especially if you, like, if you just live at home, work from home, don't interact with anyone ever, <laughs> you know? Like, that's probably not going to be great for you long-term, right? So you want to be integrated into a community. You want to have some sort of, 
social circle whether it is you know family like the traditional like that kind of nuclear family and extended nuclear family has been for eons the way you know humans have you know lived and you know they've obviously then been interacted in integrated into you know a smaller community of like you know like-minded individuals oftentimes you know a, a village or whatever and they all work in the same area they all do the same kind of things not great from an economic standpoint because you know it takes one tragedy and then the whole fucking industry and the whole town is gone or whatever but it is great from a cohesion perspective in terms of you know everyone knows everyone's business and everyone's willing to help everyone else right so again if you're not part of a community you're going to have to get yourself part of a community whether that's making more friends in the gym whether that's again getting an office job and going into work and you know talking to people in work you know meeting up with them outside of work whatever or the friends family whatever that you have currently and actually engaging with them and actually doing stuff you know are you doing something on the weekend like let's do something blah 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 organizing stuff you know you're going to have to do that if you want to get the best help because again it goes back to that thing where you know you look back on your life and you're whatever 80 years old because you are you didn't interact with anyone you didn't have any friends and family versus the chad 120 year old triage listener um you know like you're looking back and you're 80 and you're like oh like i have no one here for me i have no friends no family i didn't you know cultivate those relationships you know and maybe again like it is the case that you the only thing that you ever interact with people is down the pub and then you get a a leg injury now you're sidelined a hip injury or something and it's like right it's just downhill from there you know there's no one else able to help you you know you're you didn't cultivate those relationships you didn't have children you didn't do anything like that right so you want to be part of a community right it's plain and simple i think everyone listening to this will in some way (laughs) agree with that um there are other ways that you can do this again traditionally there would have been some sort of a spiritual outlet for this as well you know like you have some religiosity or some religion or whatever um fortunately or unfortunately like that's not really the case in the modern world although people do try to fill that you know god-shaped hole in their heart with different things whether it's you know whatever anyway um so you can do that and you can gain a community in a negative way as well you know so you do have to watch out for that. But even then, even if it is a community that, you know, we would probably say is a negative community or it's not helping society as a whole move forward, it's probably helping you in terms of your own individual health. Anyway, Gary, do you mind to say on that? I don't think so. I think that covers uh, the community point pretty well. Fantastic. Well, do you have anything else to say on this kind of, again, softer aspect whatever you want to call this stuff uh the integration of the human um do you have anything else to say that would contribute to health because again like we could talk about this stuff all day there's so many different things but basically we're advocating you know spend some time actually getting to know yourself right and then integrate that into society and then be an integral part of your community whether it's again helping out in your neighborhood your family your friends your fucking job your whatever like be someone that other people are happy to be around and you will probably be happier in the long run. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the one way to, to um, begin to reframe some of these things in your head is to start thinking about the difference between like what I just call fast reward versus slow reward. You know, some people will say, Oh, one is the dopaminergic system and one is serotonergic, which isn't exactly correct, but um, fast reward versus slow reward. What I mean by that is that, you know, basically 
trading something off currently for something in the future. But it's not it's not necessarily as simple as that either, because there's a there's a certain feeling of satisfaction that you get after a day of work. You know, it doesn't feel like that sharp, acute reward that you get from, I don't know, eating something sugary or taking drugs or something along those lines. You know, it's it's not that fast hit that you get that's then gone. It's this more, you know, slow basal drip of satisfaction. Like, yeah, you know what? I did something that was useful there. That was that was a good day's work. You know, I did myself proud there. Similarly, like if you've ever been to like a, you know, a family event or it's Christmas day or something like that, where it's kind of a big day and you're spending time with your family and you're like, you know what? This is nice. You know, there's, there's something nice about this. My my heart did a little, little flutter. You know, it's like there's a feeling there that's just a bit more than that kind of short-term acute reward that you get. And I call that the kind of slow reward that you're looking for over time. And that's generally, I think, what your decision should be made in relation to you. What, like what makes you feel that bit more whole, that sense of happiness or reward that's a bit more sustainable in the long term? Because that's ultimately what you're looking for, to up your kind of average level of satisfaction with your life rather than just the peaks that you get through partying or something along those lines. That stuff is fine. But on average, you're looking for that slow reward. And I think that can help you to just reconceptualize your life a little bit. At least that that helps me. Because when I think about that, I'm like, right, you know, actually, uh, those slow rewards tend to come from things like, you know, going home and spending time with my family or, you know, spending time with my girlfriend. Or when I think about having kids, like that's like the ultimate thing for me. That's the thing that matters more than anything else in my life is like, I want kids and that that I know is going to produce a lot of that slow reward. You know, it's something that over time is going to make my life better. I think, I hope. And none of those peaks are, or none of the, at no kind of average level, is that going to be greater than the peak reward I could get if I, I don't know, went out partying and took loads of cocaine or something. Clearly that's something that's more rewarding in the short term or well, spending a lot. No, I haven't, but uh, I'd say it probably would be a, a quite the spike um, or spending all your money on something or, you know, just going drinking all day with friends at a pool or something like like cool. Yeah. Rewarding has its place. But over the long term, what's going to give you that slow reward? And I think when you're making decisions about your life, I think that's really what can start to to just allow you to make better decisions. Yeah, it's like that kind of full reward like you yeah. feel full after it you're like that's i feel like the, it has contributed to building something right yeah. versus that emptiness where you're just like yeah that was cool that was nice that was enjoyable but what there's no there's nothing you know it's if almost you- like it's almost like instead of getting the the crash after or some degree of sense of guilt you actually it's almost like it potentiates more of that mm. it potentiates you actually living better going forward because you're like you know what, I actually, that actually reminded me of why I live the way I live and that, you know, these people actually mean a lot to me. So I'm going to make a bit more effort now in future to do more of this type of stuff. So that is a kind of a potentiating effect rather than a bit of a regressive effect where, you know, if you have, if you go out drinking alcohol and you drinking all day, the next day, how do you feel? You feel crap. And the only way that you could potentially overcome that would be to go drinking again and then feel even worse, you know? So it's, it's regressive in a sense. There's no way that you can build on that unless you just go along the hierarchy of drugs or the, 
the what do they call it the hedonic treadmill as people say you know go from buying 100 euro shoes to 200 to 300 to 400 etc so it's it's regressive in its effects rather than potentiating a better life long term 100 anyway i reckon we just wrap it up here because yep. we've covered a lot and uh, i know this isn't exactly the most uh actionable podcast basically go out make a community or integrate into a community after you've spent some time integrating the fucking mind body duality into an actual coherent human. Um, but yeah, other than that, Gary, do you have anything else to say or to wrap this up? No, I think that's all good. If you need help with your health and fitness, of course we do have coaching that we offer that we offer from all of our coaches. So if you'd like to work with us, you can get in touch. The information will be in the description box below. This episode will be released on the 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th of December. So um, realistically, you know, sign up this week or else it'll be the new year. Um, That's basically, you know, going to be our busiest time of year. So the best option for you, if you're looking to start in the new year, is to apply right now. We'll get all the logistics out of the way in the meantime, in terms of questionnaires and allocating you to your coach, all that sort of stuff. And then boom, you'll be ready to go. Okay. So no messing around. Let us know if you're interested. We have the coaches corner as well, uh, where we provide coaches with education. So if you'd like to uh, increase your education, we're always posting new content there and updating old content. So you can subscribe to that. And we also post a lot of free content if you're interested in your education. Um, that includes both trainees and trainers. If you follow Triage Method on Instagram, along with our coaches, who you can find in the following section, then you will be able to get a lot of free education. Uh, we post multiple times each day. So you're talking somewhere between 15 and 25 posts a week, all free. And, you know, they're pretty long form detailed posts a lot of the time on topics that are very much of interest to the vast majority of people who are interested in health and fitness. 100%. Anyway, I have nothing else to uh, add. I hope everyone enjoys the, the holiday period. Um, and then I hope everyone's ready to fucking rock and roll come the new year. Woo! Checked.